Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Really glad to see everyone. Hey, I have an announcement. Super excited about we're growing the church one baby at a time. So this is Penelope Praise Mastak. So uh, she was born uh, a week ago on uh, April 1st, seven pounds, four ounces, 20 inches long, for those of you that want to know that. And uh, so this is the daughter of Brad and Amy Mestak. So yeah, we're super excited for them. And I actually said her name correctly this service, so I'm super excited for myself. All right. Yeah, so if you see them, uh, give them uh, congratulations. So to open up today's message, I want to ask a question. How many of you know your Enneagram type? All right, there's like six of us, all right, seven of us. So Enneagrams, Enneagrams. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's a kind of a personality typing thing that happens. Uh, there are nine different basic types, and then you can have some subtypes within there with wings and things like that. And uh, it's similar to the Myers-Briggs, if you've ever done a Myers-Briggs test. But this is what it looks like. There's the the, what we got, the reformer, the helper, the achiever, individualist, investigator, loyalist, enthusiast, challenger, and the peacemaker. And what I want to do is talk about our staff in the context of Enneagrams, because last year we took the Enneagram test as staff and uh, wanted to find out who was what so we can better work together. And so I'm going to actually put our staff up and let you guys kind of guess which one we all are. So here's our staff, if you don't know who we all are. So Esther's our intern up there, and then we have Will and my wife Rose, I'm in the middle, Then we have Amanda, Melissa, and Matt, and you've probably seen this around if you haven't interacted with us individually. All right, so we're going to start with a one. So again, the, the types are just one through nine. It's very basic, right? One through nine. And so a one is the reformer. They're principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionist. Um, rational, idealistic. So who do you think is a one? Me. Yes, you're right. Yes, I am a one. So you got that one right. So now we'll go on to two. Two is the helper. Demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. They're caring, interpersonal. Who might that be? <laughs> Not my wife, your wife, <laughs> Amanda. Yep, she's sitting in the back. Uh, but yeah, Amanda is... Uh, a two. And then a three is the achiever, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscious, success-oriented, pragmatic. Who do you think that is? Will. I heard Will. Yeah, it is. It is Will. It's crazy that they can just label us like that, isn't it? I know. He's offended. All right, number a four is the individualist, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental, sensitive, withdrawn. Who might that be? Esther. How do you guys know that? Yes, it is Esther. Yep. There are positive characteristics, too. I mean, just so you know. Um, the investigator is a five, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. They're intense, cerebral. Who might that be? Rose, you guys are right. You got that one right. All right, the six is the loyalist, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. They're committed, security-oriented. Who might that be? No, 
This is, it's, we don't have one. That's, so that's a hole in our staff. So if that's you, give me an application. All right, so then a seven is the enthusiast, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered, busy, and fun-loving. Who might that be? There we got Melissa. <laughs> right. Okay, number eight is the challenger, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. They can be powerful and dominating. Who might that be? Matt? No, it's not Matt. This one is actually my close second. So some of you know me as a one. Some of you know me as an eight. All right? It just depends on what kind of conversations we've had. So that's kind of a close second for me. And then last is a nine, the peacemaker, Mr. Sound Guy. Receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent, easygoing, self-effacing. That would be Matt. That'd be Matt. So... All right, so now you kind of know our staff Enneagram types, and hopefully it lets you get to know us a little bit better, right, because of a label that we've had put on us. In fact, if you have to work with anyone here on staff, you're probably going to want to work with a nine, right? You're going to want to work with Matt. So, Matt, you might as well just give everyone your cell phone number now, right? <laughs> Labels or types or names, they can... They can help us to know people better, right? They can help us to know people better. Um, hundreds of years ago, they would actually label you with your last name. That was a way to kind of describe you. So my last name is Schwartz, which is a German word for black. And um, so most likely my great, 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 you know, grandfather was the village blacksmith. And that's where we got the name Schwartz. In the same way, Miller uh, is one of those names where they traced it back many, many decades ago where an individual was the village miller. They milled the grain, and so that's where the name Miller came from, and it was handed down. And I looked up Bontrager because I was just kind of curious, where did Bontrager come from? Well, it's a German occupational name for someone who carries a load. They were most likely a peddler or a porter. The name was originally derived from the German word Traeger, which means to carry, which is kind of interesting, right? So, Lyndon, the next time we go on a wilderness trip, you're my partner and you're carrying my canoe. All right, so we'll just make sure of that. Our labels, our names, our nicknames can help describe us. If you look at uh, the, the 12 disciples, we kind of know them by their first name, but we, we also kind of have like a, a nickname or a label or a last name for them as well. So here's just some of them. We have Matthew, who was the tax collector. We just kind of know Matthew is the tax collector. Peter was nicknamed the rock by Jesus. And so we have Peter the rock. We have James and John, who are called the sons of thunder. I don't know why, but I would love to be called a son of thunder. Oh, oh, oh. And then you have Doubting Thomas, right? We kind of all know Doubting Thomas, Simon the Zealot, and of course, Judas was the traitor. Judas was the traitor. And by the way, if you want to get to know the 12 disciples a little bit better, I would encourage you to watch this TV series called The Chosen. It's out right now. Um, you just download the app, I think, to watch it. It's free. Um, but they're in season two right now. They just released episode one on Easter Sunday. And I'll be honest, I don't usually like watching Hollywood-made, you know, TV shows and movies uh, about the Bible, but this one is actually really, really good. They released season one last year, and uh, it's about, the chosen just means that 
choosing the 12 disciples. So it's actually really, really good. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't been watching that, to go back and, uh, and watch those. All right, so names, labels, nicknames, they can help us to get to know each other better. You know, our God in heaven is actually known by many different names, right? He's known by many different names. And those names of God actually help to describe usually a character component of who God is. And I believe that as we get to know God's names, it will help us to get to know God a little bit better. So we're starting a message series today titled Divine Identity, Knowing God by His Names. And we're going to take the next eight weeks and study eight different names of God. And hopefully at the end of this series, we'll all know our Heavenly Father just a little bit better. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 today. And you can turn there in your Bibles if you would like. Um, just give me, let me give you a little bit of a backstory on this, because I don't know about you, but when I, when I read the Bible, I mean, I'll be studying Moses, and then I'll be like, okay, where was Moses in the whole genealogy thing, and, and try to understand it. So let me give you a little back, backstory. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've all lived and died at this point in Scripture. Jacob was also known as Israel, and Jacob had the 12 sons, so those became the ancestral fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them was Joseph who was sold into slavery, into Egypt. Anyway, the whole family ends up moving to Egypt eventually, and they settle in there, and they're loved for a while because Joseph was, was beloved. But then over time, uh, they grow, and there's like a million of these children of Israel. So the descendants are like there's a million of them, and this is 400 years later, and the Egyptians no longer like them. In fact, they enslave all of the children of Israel. So at this time, the Israelites are slaves, descendants of Israel, 400 years later. And so they're crying out to God, you know, for a savior, for someone to deliver them. Uh, well, Joseph, I'm sorry, Moses is born and is adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh. And so Moses grows up as really a prince of Egypt, right? He grows up as royalty, so when he's about 40 years old, Moses starts to identify with the Israelites. He knows he's not Egyptian by birth. He was raised Egyptian, but he's actually identifying with the people that are like him. And so he starts to care about the fact that they are being mistreated. And so one day, he sees a soldier mistreating his brothers, basically, um, and he strikes out and kills the soldier, tries to hide it, but it, it becomes known, and then he's a wanted man. And so he flees across the wilderness and gets married and becomes a shepherd. Forty years have gone by. All right, so that's the context of where we're at. He's now 80 years old. He's a shepherd, and he hasn't been back to Egypt you know, in 40 years. So let's pick this up. That's the context. We're in chapter 3 starting with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, 
I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their sufferings. At this point, God tells Moses that he's going to send Moses back to Egypt to free up all of the Israelites. So, of course, Moses has a few questions for him. And here's the first one. So in verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So the name that God gives to Moses in the original Hebrew is translated as Jehovah. Jehovah. And so we're going to um, be studying that name today. Today's message is titled Jehovah, the name that God gave himself. And so I'm going to give you some reasons we should know God's names and use God's names. But first, let me pray. So God, we come to you and thank you for scripture. God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us, for even telling us your name so that we could know your name, Father. And Lord, I pray today that you would give me your words to speak. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to be here in this place to speak to our hearts and minds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, a couple of points that you can fill on your, on your handout if you would like. We should all call God by his names because, number one, it is honoring to him. It is honoring to him. So we use name tags here at the church, and we invite everyone to, to fill out a name tag. There's a couple of reasons for it. One is because I'm terrible with names. And so it's helpful for me if you wear a name tag, because I might know you. I might know your name, but I'm not sure. And so it's helpful for me. But I think it's also helpful for all of us to walk up to someone and say, hey, Ed, uh, it's nice to see you, versus, hey, guy, you know, I mean, how you doing, bud? You know, so using someone's name is just honoring, right? Have you ever had that, that time that you ran into someone that you haven't seen in a long time, and they call you by name, and how does it make you feel? It feels like, oh, they remember me, right? They remember me. They, it's, it's an honoring thing to be called by your name. Well, Moses knew that names were important. And so when he's, he's talking to God, and he's saying, what, what am I going to say? How am I going to reference you? Because in, in Egypt, there are a lot of gods, you know, there's, they had, Egypt had a lot of gods. So how am I supposed to reference you? And this is God's response in verse 14. He says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
So God's response is just simply, I am who I am. That word, the Hebrew word is hauyah, uh, for, for I am. And it means to come to pass, to become, to simply be, to exist. So God's first response is just really saying, I am. That's who I am. I mean, I've always been. I always will be. I'm eternal. I exist. That's, that's who you are supposed to say sent you. Now, he knows that, that they need a little bit more, that Moses is going to need a little bit more than that. So he goes on to say in verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So he says, he creates the context, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you've heard the stories. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the God in the midst of those stories. So he's referencing that. But see, in our translation, we simply see this word, the Lord, but that actually was God's name. That's translated as the Lord, but it's really God gave, or gave Moses at that time his actual name. So the Lord in Hebrew is translated as Yehovah. Yehovah. So it's most often translated as Jehovah. That's where we get the name Jehovah. But we don't honestly know exactly how to pronounce God's name. So let me explain. So the word there uh, is four letters. Okay? Can you go to the next slide? Yeah, so we have yad Hey vah um, are the four letters going from right to left. Is that right, Christine? Yeah, right to left. So that N there is the Hey, and then the, you got the yad Hey vah it's four letters, but there's four consonants. There's no vowels in it at all. It's known as the tetragrammaton, tetra meaning four, and it stands for four letters. So what's written there and translated as the Lord is those simply just those four consonants. In Roman, it's transliterated as Y-H-W-H. That's where we get the word, the name Yahweh. All right, it's from Y-H-W-H. Now, why is there only four letters? Why didn't Moses write out the whole, God's whole name? And it was because it was considered blasphemy, blasphemous to actually speak the name of God. So he took out the consonants and just wrote four letters of God's name. So the original pronunciation for God's name is, has really been lost. We don't know it for sure. The best translations we have today are Jehovah, Yahweh, and even the Aramaic word Adonai, which means master, master. The Jewish people honored God's name so much, mostly, I, I believe, because of the Ten Commandments. You guys remember number three? Uh, it says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. In the Hebrew, what's written there for the Lord is those are, are those four letters. All right? So Moses, who wrote the book of Exodus, was referencing, don't say God's name in vain. That's a sin. In, in fact, it was God who gave us the Ten Commandments. So God's saying, 
here's my name. I gave it to you, but don't misuse it. Don't misuse my name. I believe that we've lost that in our culture today. Honoring God's name, right? We've all heard of the TV shows and and everything else that uses OMG all the time. You guys remember this TV show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition with Ty Pennington, you know, from a decade ago. I I used to love watching this show. And again, during the great reveal, it was like the best part of the show because this family would go away for a week. And during the week, Ty and his whole crew would completely remodel the house in just seven days. And they'd, they'd come back and they'd reveal this house and like, wow, this is so different. But what would they say over and over and over again? They'd say, oh my, oh my. You know, and they would just continually use God's name, I would say, in vain, over and over and over again. We lost a screen. <laughs> well, I believe that when we say God's name, when we're surprised or afraid or mad, and we just say that, I, I think we're using God's name in vain, right? We're, we're, we're just haphazardly just saying and referencing God. The only way I can really explain this, because I think it's so dishonoring, is uh, the name Karen, right? We've all heard of what happened to Karen. So, I know some Karens, some friends of mine, you know, they've, they've, you know, done, they were good people. It's just, no, we're out power the whole side, just, we'll be fine. Can you all see me? Can you still see the screen? All right, we're still good. So, but the name Karen was a great name when I was growing up, but now it's been relabeled as a derogatory name to call a white woman who complains or thinks they are entitled, Right? And so um, last Halloween, they actually created a a mask called a Karen mask. You can buy one for 180 bucks. There's a picture of it. We won't leave it up there very long. You can take it down now. Um, but, But I'm guessing that my friends whose name is Karen, every time they use, they hear their name used in this derogatory way, it's dishonoring, right? It's just like, oh. I'm guessing there's not a lot of babies being called Karen anymore, you know, because it has such a bad name to it, but it's just being misused all the time. And I think it's the same thing in God's case too. When we misuse God's name flippantly, it's dishonoring to an almighty God. It's dishonoring. So you can write this down. OMG should only be spoken when we are crying out to an almighty God for help. OMG should only be spoken when we are crying out to an almighty God for help. And when we use God's name, we should use it with honor and respect. I do believe that we are supposed to use God's names, but we're supposed to do that with honor and respect. So that's point number one. We should all call God by his names because it's honoring to him. Here's point number two. We should all call God by his names because there's power. There is power in God's name. God 
gave Moses his name for a reason. Because there's power in the name Jehovah, or Yahweh, or Adonai. Verse 7 says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So God heard the children of Israel crying out. Now, it doesn't say that they were specifically crying out to God, but I believe that they were. They were crying out to the God of their ancestors and saying, God, rescue me, help us, save us. And he decides to free them from their suffering by sending Moses. But Moses doesn't have any power or authority in and of himself, right? There's, there's no power in the name of Moses. He doesn't have anything but God equips him and empowers him. So first, Moses travels to Egypt. He tells Pharaoh, hey, um, God sent me here. Jehovah sent me here. And uh, you're supposed to let all of your slaves go, all million of them, and start doing the work yourself. And we're just going to leave peacefully. And if you would give us some gold on the way out, we'd appreciate that too. Needless to say, Pharaoh doesn't buy it, Right? <laughs> He's like, who are you? I think I remember you being here about 40 years ago. I don't know. We're not going to free our slaves. And so this is what God tells Moses to say to Pharaoh. In verse 16 and 17, he says of chapter 7, Then say to him, the Lord, Jehovah, all right? This is the same name. Jehovah, the God of Hebrews, of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. God, Moses does this in the name of Jehovah. He has power and authority by the name of God. And so he does, he strikes the water and all the water throughout all of Egypt uh, becomes blood. And it sh that should have been enough, right? To, okay, we don't have any good water anymore. You all can leave. But that's not what happens. Again, we're talking about a, a million slaves. So Moses has to go back again and again and again. It's the 10 plagues of Egypt. We've heard of them. So there, the blood was first, and then there was there were all these frogs and all these gnats and flies. Livestock were dying boils appeared on everyone, hail came down, there were a swarm of locusts, the whole land became dark, and then finally the death of every firstborn uh, child and animal, you know, happens. And finally, Pharaoh lets him go. But Moses performed all of those miracles in the name of God. There was power in God's name. Now, God the Father sent God the Son to the, to the earth. And uh, his name is Jesus, which in the Greek is Yeshua. Or I think that's actually in the Hebrew is Yeshua. So Jesus is also known as Yeshua. And there is power in the name of Jesus as well. That same power that God had during the the Ten Commandments and the Ten Plagues and parting the Red Sea, all of that was handed down to Jesus through many, many miracles. But even more than that, Jesus has incredible power. He has the power of God. So one of my favorite stories of that 
And, and this is in the book of John. And, and you've probably read this if you've read through the first four books of, of the New Testament. And you might have just passed it over. But I, I love this story because this, this little section of Scripture talks about the power of God and his relation to God as well, God the Father. So Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he's crucified. And he's with his disciples. And then Judas shows up with this mob, okay? And the mob shows up ready to arrest anyone and everyone, but they're, they're looking for Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to have any of his disciples arrested. So he steps out and he says, who is it you want? John chapter 18, verse 5, they respond, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I want you to think about that. When Moses asked God, what's your name? God's response was, I am. I am who I am. And then when they asked for Jesus, Jesus says, I am. And then he says he, which I think is kind of interesting. That's the male pronoun for a human. So it's kind of like, I'm God, I'm human, but I am powerful. Because when he said, I am he, they fell down on the ground. And there was power in his declaration of who he was. Jesus goes on, though, to say in John chapter 14, that there's power in the name of Jesus. He says in verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There is incredible power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, Hey, ask for things. Command things to be done in my name. Because there's power in God's name and in his son's name. So here's your last fill-in. When we want to impress others, Jesus is the only name we should name drop. I know it's not a very good fill-in. But the concept is, you know, you drop someone's name because you want to get something, right? You want to... You know, hey, well, I know the, the president, so maybe you should let me, you know, whatever, that kind of a thing. But the reality is, is that there's so much more power in the name of Jesus than any other famous person that we might know their name. There is so much power in the name of Jesus. So that's the name that we should be referencing, especially when we pray. And, and by the way, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, right? Including the enemies of our soul. All satanic powers, demonic forces, the rulers of the air, they have no place to stand in the name of Jesus, right? So we can take authority over the enemy in the name of Jesus as well. You're not going to get very far if you say, in the name of Clint, be gone. That's not going to get you anywhere, right? Or use your own name in that. But, what if, you, but if you declare in the name of Jesus... And there is power. And I would even say, there is power in the name of Jehovah. There is power in the name of Yahweh. There is power in the name of Adonai. 
And we should use those names. We don't have to be Jewish to use the names that God gave himself or he's referenced by. And again, we don't know if that's exactly how he pronounced his name when he said it to Moses, but I think God gets it when we say it. Oh, he's, he's doing his best. <laughs> he's doing his best. Using Jesus' name will get things done. All right, I'm going to turn ministry time over to Doug and Lee in the beacon. I'm going to invite Will to come up here. We're going to sing a closing song. And I'd like you guys just to stay in your seats for the first part. Um, but the song is really talking about the name Yahweh. And it's a way for us to just consider God, to address God for who he is. Because he is the great I am, right? He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He's everything. And so it's our opportunity just to praise God for who he is, for who he is. And I would invite you, come back next week as we start diving into more names of God and revealing his character. I'm really super excited about this series. So hopefully you guys will be here next week. Let me pray and then I'll turn it over to Will. God, we thank you for revealing your name to Moses because you want to have a personal relationship with you. You don't want us just to call you by position. You want us to call you by your name. And that insinuates relationship, God. So, so God, it is our honor to sing this song and to praise your name. stand up for me this next part I just believe together these lyrics it says he who was and is to come is the one who lives in me the great I am Yahweh he who was and is to come is the one who lives in us the great I the one who 
something here if you're comfortable and I'm going to ask you to kneel right where you're at Clint was talking about how when the soldiers were coming to take Jesus away they asked him if he was Jesus and he said I am power of his name caused them to fall back to the ground. It's awesome. Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So this morning, just as we're kneeling here, reverence to God, Yahweh, Jehovah. I'm going to ask that you just soak in God's presence in reverence to Him. And maybe there are folks in here, maybe we've, we're thinking and we're convicted this morning by Clint's message of, oof, yeah, I've been taking God's name in vain. Just use this time to repent. And there are such good ways to use God's name, too. Silencing the evil one. (laughs) If the enemy, if Satan is tempting you, if Satan is threatening you and you're you're scared just call on the name of Jesus there's power in that name as Clint was saying that the enemies our enemies they they have they can't 
handle the name of God. They will flee. There's power in that. We can tap into that. So God, this morning, we, we tap into your name. We, we are here before you in reverence and holiness. And we, we don't really know what, we don't have the words to say this morning other than your name. So we claim your name this morning, Jehovah, Yahweh. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us where we have failed you with our words, where we have misused your name. Help us to understand the true meaning of your name, God, and use it properly and correctly in a holy way. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need to, and if you want to, you can just stay there kneeling for as long as you want. No one's going to kick you out, at least for the next 10 minutes. But uh, if you have anything else that you'd like to pray, have prayer for, please come up. We've got a prayer team that's willing and ready to pray for you for anything. Otherwise, at this time, you're dismissed. Thanks so much for coming out this morning. Hope you have a great week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.